Hi, this is Jean-Jacques Taylor, and you're listening to Jot Talk. This is a podcast where I talk about the Cowboys, the team I've covered as a beat writer, columnist, TV insider, and radio host for 28 years. I'll also talk about the NFL and the things I love, working out, streaming, food, and all things Dallas. My boy, Big Joe and the Big Rig, one of my oldest friends, produces the show and occasionally chimes in with his thoughts on the Cowboys. After all, he's a lifelong Cowboys fan, and he played high school, college, and semi-pro football. Welcome to Jock Talk, where sports is fluid. What's true today might not be true an hour, a day, or a month from now. I'm going to give you the truth straight. No chaser. Glad to have you aboard. Let's get it. Welcome to episode 20 of Jacques Talk. I hope you are prepared to be entertained and dazzled for the next hour as me and Big Joe and the Big Rig get at it. Uh, talking about uh, all things NFL, college football. Okay, I'm just playing with y'all. We're going to get to that. But everybody wants to know about the Rangers uh, that's why we got a late night production today. I took my Red Bull and took a shower before I did the show, so I'm wide awake. I'll probably be up for another three hours, uh, although we ain't going to talk that long. Uh, Joe, <laughs> how you feel? Now, Joe's on the other end probably going, what the hell are you talking about? You put for to be up for another yeah, three hours because yeah. that's not going to happen. Not, not even. Hey, hey, man. 20, hey, congratulations on 20 show. Yeah, and you ain't killed me yet. So nah, that's nah, that's what I say. Who knew we was going to make it, dog? We, we here. You know what I'm saying? We are, we right here. I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, before I forget, let me tell you, don't forget. Well, let me not say it like that. Uh, I'd love for you to pick up a copy of my book that dropped uh, last week. Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, Deion Sanders and the Making of Men. Uh, it's gotten a couple good reviews. It's a really good book. It takes you inside the 2022 season at Jackson State University and uh, Jackson State's quest for perfection. But more importantly for y'all right now, it tells you exactly the blueprint and what Dion does to win and why the things that he's doing in Colorado should really be no surprise. Um, yeah, you know, it's a, it's, it's a lot of good stories in there about the players, some of whom, like Travis Hunter, uh, Shadur Sanders, and uh, Cameron Silver Craig are at Colorado doing their thing right now. So check that out. You can find it wherever you find books. Um, it's a it's a good read and a quick read, and it'll take you places you've never been on a big time college football program. Also, got to tell you, if you're involved in an accident, uh, and I mean this for real now, if you're involved in an accident, you get hurt, and it doesn't matter whether you're in your car, you're at work, you're at an apartment complex, you're at a business, it doesn't matter. If you get hurt away from your home, what you need to do before you do anything. Pick up the phone, call 972-934-8900, and talk to the green team. That's greeting law. And you just tell them your situation. Hey, here's what happened. And I'm telling you, if they bring you on as a client, it's been your lucky day. Um, whenever you get involved with somebody else's insurance deal, fighting their company, talking to their insurance company, whatever, we all know what the deal is. This is a long, tedious, drawn-out process. It can be a little bit intimidating. It can be a little bit scary. They send you those letters with these big words, and you're like, what the heck does this mean? Well, Grinning Law walks you through the process. They literally hold your hand and walk you through the process. They tell you, hey, here's when you need to turn left. Here's when you need to stay still. Here's when you need to turn right. If you need doctor's appointments, check this out. They will set them up for you. If you need to go see specialists, guess what? They will help you find them and set up those appointments as well. They do all these things so you can focus on what? Rest and renewal and getting your body back right. Because that's what's most important to them. Um, the consultation is free. 
F R E E. Doesn't cost you anything to pick up the phone, give them a call at 972-934-8900 and say, here's my situation. Now, the other thing you need to know, they don't get paid unless you get paid. Did you hear me? They don't get paid unless you get paid. So you ain't never got to worry about, hey, where am I on the list of importance? Uh, they got a lot of clients. Do they really, are they really working my case? The answer is yes. The answer is yes. They're working your cases hard because they don't get paid unless you get paid. So once again, give them a call, 972-934-8900. And always remember, you ain't got to take my word for nothing, literally. I mean, you really don't. You can go to greenlaw.com, check out their website, see what other people are saying about the business and the work that they do, and make a decision for yourself. But I would recommend that you pick up the phone, call 972-934-8900. If you're ever involved in an accident and it's not your fault and you've been injured, let Greening Law work for you. Dude, the best words of around, game seven. That to me is, I mean, it don't matter whether we're talking baseball, whether we're talking about basketball, whether we're talking hockey. Game seven, I'm on. It's on. It's lit. It's exciting. It's the best it could be. And um, the Texas Rangers, they got game seven against the Houston Astros tomorrow night. It's going to be fantastic. Now, let me ask you, did you think we were getting a game seven? No. Nah. No, not really. The way things was going when we was here, I didn't think so. But you know, what is what they say is is is, is par for the course. These teams, these teams ain't no good at home. Neither one of them. <laughs> not just that though. Now I was at uh, I was at all three games in uh, Arlington working on a story. Uh, that's a long story for another day. I just I'm gonna tell y'all some stuff about reporting. On, a, on another episode, maybe even tomorrow we'll get into it. But I, I had I had a golden sombrero night when I was at the ballpark these last three days, uh, trying to get some things accomplished. Um, I was uh, I really didn't know how it was going to go. This is much this much I knew, okay. This much I knew. I knew the Rangers would compete. I knew Nath, I knew Ivaldi would compete, and I knew that they would have a chance to win it. Whether they would win it or not, I had no idea. But I knew they would have a chance to win it uh, based on history. And here's why. These Texas Rangers, I'm telling y'all, if you haven't figured it out now, they are a resilient group. They're a group that's got some heart. They're a group that's got some gumption, some chutzpah, however you want to call it. They don't quit. They won't quit. Um, They've had plenty, plenty, plenty of opportunities at various times this season to lay it down and be like, you know what, uh, this is not our year or this is not our time or this is not our moment or whatever. And every single solitary time they've been given that opportunity, they're like, duh, what's up with you? Why are you throwing this opportunity in our face? We don't quit. We just play the next game. Um, when they had, you know, they led the division most of the year. When they had that stretch where they lost 16 and 19, lost the division lead, fell to third place for a moment, got destroyed at home by Houston 39 to 10, and then went to Oakland and lost the next game. At that moment, mid-August, I mean, mid-September, I'm like, season's over. They're not going to be able to recover from that. And all they did was put another winning streak together, and uh, we know what they've done in the playoffs. And so given that background, I really thought there was a good chance. But I ain't going to lie to y'all. When they went uh, somewhat meekly in the first inning, although I like the fact that Marcus Simeon had a good at bat. Uh, he walked, and I thought that was a harbinger 
uh, that, uh, you know, because he had a really good at bat because he'd been struggling. He ain't hit worth a lick since in this particular series. This from the guy who led the American League in runs, um, led the American League in hits, ain't hit worth a flip this season. I mean, this series. So, dog, when they get down one nothing, I'm like, ah, it's the worst possible start out. TV singles, still second, and boom, next thing you know, uh, Alvarez with the base hit. Evaldi worked out of it, but I'm like, damn. Houston is uh, incredible. I saw a stat the other day that I thought I bookmarked, but I didn't. Uh, they're incredible when they score first. That's part of the reason why they're so good on the road because their lineup is up first. They get that early lead, and then they just pressure you the rest of the game. So I'm like, dang, one nothing. They got problems. And, dog, right then, Mitch Garver homers at the top of the second, and I'm like, oh, they back in it. Uh, Jonah Heim gives them a 3-1 lead on the two-run opposite field homer. And Ivaldi has settled down after a 25-pitch first inning. Uh, that bothered me because, you know, playoff innings are stressful. Playoff pitches are stressful. And you're like, if he got 25 in the first, dude, I don't know if he can even get out of the fifth. And uh, nobody wants to turn it over to the bullpen after we saw uh, what we've seen all year. Uh, where they saved uh, less than 50% of the – they had, uh, say, fewer than 50% of the opportunities given. We all saw LeClerc give up a two-run lead in the top of the ninth on three batters in that loss to uh, Houston the other day. So nobody was interested in seeing the bullpen early. But uh, LeClerc settled down, man. And then, you know, it became a game. They're up 3-1. They're up 3-2. And then, to me uh, – and I'm I'm curious what you think about it, you know. Uh, well, let me let me do it like this. Whenever you win a game like this, a game six, uh, to force a game seven, it ain't no difference to me than than any other big time sport where your stars got to show up. And so what I'm talking about is what happens. Evaldi shows up. He pitches into the seventh. They needed that. Um, I mean, he pitched well, too. Well, I mean, he gave up that run early, but, I mean, he did the thing. He kept them in the game. He gave them every single solitary opportunity to win. And in the playoffs, that's really all you're asking your guy to do. Can you keep us in the game? Can you go six-plus? And if you do, dog, hey, our hat's off to you because you have done the damn thing. Then you talk about Simeon. I just told you all he'd been struggling all series. Went two for three with two walks and a run scored. That's what a leadoff hitter is supposed to do. Uh, Seager, man, he went 0 for 4 with a run scored in the RBI. But here's the deal. He tattooed the ball twice with runners in scoring position. Didn't get no help. Then there's uh, Garcia, who looked lost at the plate trying to, you know, trying to punish everybody in Houston. Uh, he hits the grand slam that separates him at the end. And then there's LeClerc, man. They brought that dude in for a five-pitch, I mean a five-out save. And uh, he delivered three, worked out of a bases-loaded, one-out jam with no runs. Uh, I mean, just giving up the one run, they took a 9-2, I mean, a uh, 4-2 lead into the uh, ninth, and then that's when they went to work. Uh, but my point is, the stars showed up for the Rangers. And when your stars show up in your biggest games, uh, that's, that typically means you win. Thoughts? Yeah, man. When uh, it was Leclerc. It worked his way out of the the, the bases loaded. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. you know that that's a that's a that's one of them good good good. It's a good thing when your stomach kind of lurch a little bit, like oh, 
you know, when he did that, I was like, oh, hell yeah, it's on. Because you just knew that, that they was going to knock some people in. And then I got to say that Garcia, well, first of all, Garcia, <laughs> Garcia, <laughs> I ain't going to say what I text you. But Garcia. Uh, 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 oh, I, I, well, I'll tell you. Uh, I got a text that said, he just said, F all y'all. Yep. If all y'all, that means everybody in the stadium that's not a Ranger <laughs> fan that's booing me, that's talking about you lying about hitting me in the back with the pitch, you know that shit was intentional. Plus, he were number 53. And you know who was number 53? My ass was number 53. Yeah, man. All right, then. I said, hey, watching him try to round the bases. Hell yeah, I was trotting with him, man. I'm like, yeah, this is all good. <laughs> you know, it's funny because uh, a month ago, I wasn't interested in these Rangers. I swear to you. I'm the most casual. Well, I know casual, you wouldn't. But I'm going to tell you what. I'm digging all my shit out. I'm digging all the faded stuff, everything. For game seven, I'm I'm I'm, I'm wearing Rangers everything. I got the hat. I still, you know, if, if you're a Dallas, if you're in Dallas Fort Worth, <laughs> you, you got some stuff, you know. But I got some Rangers stuff. I got some, I got some 2011 stuff. So it's all good, you know. I'm digging all that. Um, I thought it was, <laughs> I thought it was very clear. And for those of you who somehow missed it, you know, uh, uh, big homer. The Rangers were down by a run. He hit a three-run homer, gave him a four-two lead. Game five, late, I think it was the eighth, eighth inning, seventh inning. Um, pimped the hell out of the homer. Like walked halfway up first base, Go ahead. slammed the bat down. Yep. Looked at the dugout and pointed to his homies. He did get around the bases in a pretty good fashion. I mean, he didn't slow him. I mean, he didn't trot. He jogged around the base pretty good fashion. Then as he approached home plate, he slowed down to a stroll and took one, two steps and then stomped <laughs> on home plate. I found it amusing. I found it funny. I found it cool because I think one of the things baseball has lacked to me it's been real true emotion. It's always, hey, you, you shouldn't do that. This is you Get around the bit. No, man, it's hard as hell to hit a baseball. And so if it's the playoffs and I hit one out in a big moment like that, can I enjoy that thing? And, and the same is holds true. If you strike me out in a big moment with runners on base, if you want to pump your fist and point at me and go, I got your ass, it's whatever, dog. It's competition, man. It's good. It's cool. And even though my man Jeff Fry, former Ranger second baseman, got all upset about it, I'm like, dog, I love you, Jeff, but have some fun, man. Quit being so staid and old. Get off my, gra- well, get off they my lawn, man. They don't like each other, man. And, 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 you know, I think about a story you told me a long time ago. You know, I, I forget. I remember everything. I remember when A-Rod right. played for the Rangers, and every time somebody did something, them guys didn't have no joy in the dugout because A-Rod wanted everybody to act like they was – you know, been there before. I remember you telling me that. And then once he left, yeah. everybody was, you know, hey, you did it. You know, you know what I'm saying? That team, that's, that's what you're talking about you like. You know, yeah, that that type of stuff. You know, it's like um, at the World Baseball Classic that they have in the spring. Mm-hmm. Guys go crazy there. They have they act a fool. Yeah. They have fun. Yeah. I mean, it's so uh, – Japanese baseball, they have fun, man. The game ain't got to be that serious. It's serious, but it ain't got to be that serious where I can't, I can't enjoy my home run because I might make you mad. Hey, dog, make a better pitch. It's always, I can't it's, enjoy my strikeout. But it's already you know? there because Houston been talking junk. 
And then, like I said, they don't like each other. If it's anybody else, right. they might not have said nothing. But you looking, you know what I'm saying? You looking for disrespect. Yeah, exactly. So that's the backdrop. And then they hit him the next time he was up at the plate. You know, the, the Astros say we didn't do it on purpose. The Rangers say, hey, it looked like he did it on purpose. The Astros purpose. say, why would we put why would we put another run in scoring position when we were trying to win the game? So – uh, now the rain, the, the the Astros were also honest uh, after the game. Uh, I thought it was great that Verlander said, literally said, uh, "I would have pimped that homer too. I wasn't mad at him. It was the biggest homer he's probably ever hit. So I needed to make a better pitch." Altuve, I don't. He said, "I don't think we hit him, but I understand why he got mad. It hurts when you get hit, and the optics don't look good. You know, so I understand all that. And you know, we'll never know. Only Abreu, who threw the pitch, really knows if he tried to hit him or not." Uh, bottom line, that's the backdrop. So his first four trips at the plate, man, he was swinging from his ass. Yeah, he I was. mean, he had he had no discipline. He just swing. He trying to hit a two thousand foot homer so he could take another trot, and it did. All it did was result in four strikeouts, and it was uh, he looked awful at the plate. Well, something happened in the ninth. Bases loaded, they got an extra run because with the bases loaded, Seager uh, got hit by pitching a calf. So he gets to walk to first base. Base is still loaded. And then Garcia found him a fastball, man. Turned on that thing and rocketed it out uh, for a grand slam. Uh, he had the last laugh. Fuck all y'all, they said in his trot. That's right. And uh, That's exactly again, what he said. <laughs> it gave the Rangers a 9-2 win. Uh, the Rangers 3-0 and in uh, Houston, Minute Maid Park, um, Houston. 3-0 in Texas. And so it comes down to game seven, man. In uh, Houston, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, here's what we do know. Max Scherzer is starting. Max Scherzer was awful in his first start. That was to be expected. Part of the reason they started him in game three was they said we might need him in game seven. If we start him in game three, he hadn't pitched in 37 days. Maybe he can knock some of that rust off in uh, game three, and then when we need him in game seven, he'll be right. Uh, I was at game three. Um, he got through the first. I thought it was crucial that he get through the first inning just to see what he had. He got through the first inning easy, and then they torched him in the second inning. I mean, they were smacking him around. After the game, Scherzer said, no, I felt good. I felt strong. My arm felt good. My mechanics were off. His slider was flat. They were banging that thing around. But he felt good about his velocity and everything else and said, you know, um, I know what I need to correct to do better. I'm paraphrasing here. To do better uh, if we see him again. And so it'll be interesting to see um, what he can give him. Uh, obviously, tomorrow is all hands on deck. It's going to be a very short hook for any pitcher who struggles um, thing about Scherzer is he's a future Hall of Famer. He's got big ones. He'll come to compete. He'll come to give it what he got. The question will be, how much does he have? I mean, that's, that's the question. Um, at best, I would say he can throw around 70 pitches. For him, that's probably five innings. If he can give you five and keep you in the game, two to one, three to two, four to three, that's literally all you can ask for. And then it's all hands on deck. Who can help us get uh, um, 
you know, to the uh, to uh, to the World Series. And so for the Rangers, that's how they got to go into it. I think they will feel extremely confident uh, because they've played well on the road. They've won uh, seven, eight straight on the road, though. So they feel good playing on the road. They got no, uh, you know, they got no qualms about it. Uh, I'm telling y'all, it's great that Simeon went two for three and looked good at the plate in terms of his eye. He wasn't going out of the zone, swinging at stuff. Um, they're going to need him tomorrow, man. Set the tone and set the lineup. Uh, so I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, there's nothing really better to me in sports than a game seven. And uh, your Texas Rangers, uh, they have, uh, they've done the thing, man. Um, I'm, uh, I'm impressed with them. I'm impressed with their fortitude. I'm impressed with the approach that they've played with this year. And uh, no matter what happens tomorrow, their future is uh, extremely bright. But check this out. This is just me now. This is just your boy here. All the pressure's on Houston. To me, Rangers play with house money. Yep. Houston is the team that's been to the ALCS seven consecutive years. Houston has been to the World Series four years in the last uh, four times in the last seven years. Houston has been to the World Series two years in a row. Houston has won two of the last seven championships. The Rangers, don't forget, man, don't forget, the Rangers are a year ahead of schedule. This was not supposed to be the Rangers' year. They're a year ahead of schedule. And so they should, they should be feeling loose like, hey, we're here. Let's go do this thing. We might as well. Whereas Houston is like, damn, man, can we get there one more time? So all the pressure's on the Astros. They're supposed to win. They were favored in this series. Uh, they're the team that's got all the championship pedigree. And uh, your Rangers should be very loose when they show up. And tomorrow, even more than usual, scoring that first run, getting that early lead, that's going to be huge. You don't want to be chasing the game tomorrow because then the pressure, uh, you know, goes from batter to batter. So if they can figure out a way to score early and uh, put some pressure on Houston, and let's just keep it real, dog. You need a little bit of a cushion because I don't trust that bullpen. Nope. That's a roller. <laughs> that bullpen is a roller coaster ride, man. I mean, one of the things that showed up today, and you're absolutely right, um, well, let, let, let me put it like this. Here's who you trust. You trust Spores right now because he's pitching great. Um, you trust LeClerc, even though he gave it up the other day. That, to me, that's about all you trust in the bullpen. And you know how I know that? Because they didn't bring in Aroldis Chapman uh, to face the lefty when they asked LeClerc to get a five-out save because they don't trust Chapman. They don't trust that he can come in and throw strikes and get guys out. So they're like, hey, at least LeClerc will throw some strikes. They may hit him, but at least he'll throw some strikes. And then he promptly walked the guy to load the bases. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah. that being said, uh, Spores has been lights out. Uh, but again, man, tomorrow it's all hands on deck. It's game seven. You got three or four days off before the World Series. Um, the Texas Rangers, if they win, will host games one, two, six, and seven in the World Series. They will host it. They got home field advantage in the World Series because uh, they beat the Astros, the uh, Phillies to start the season. Literally, the first three games to start the season. And then um, they finished with a better record than Arizona. So however it goes, if they win, they will host 
the World Series. Um, Houston, uh, they got to figure out if they'll host depending on who wins the uh, National League Championship Series. But uh, big time for the Rangers, man. Uh, Man, this is going to be fun and exciting. I think I tweeted this out uh, at some point. It's just fun, man. Playoff baseball is uh, nerve-wracking. Every pitch matters. Every batter matters. And when I'm talking about every batter matters, every batter matters because you're like, damn, that guy got on. Now that means you got to deal with L2V at the top of the next inning. And, like, when you're talking about every batter matters – uh, the reason they took Ivaldi out was he had, uh, you know, one of the reasons they took him out was they had um, Alvarez coming up in two batters, and he's 10 for 14 lifetime against Ivaldi. So it's like, you let a guy get on base, we can't let you face Alvarez, dog. It ain't happening. So every pitch matters, every batter matters. Um, it's, uh, man, it's going to be so much fun. I love, this is, uh, you know, I was telling somebody uh, today, uh, just talking about sports, this is what I love about sports, man. This is it. Game seven. Winner take all. I love the excitement. I love uh, everything that goes into it. Um, The emotions, uh, the stress, all of that stuff makes it fun, man. And since I don't have no vested interest in who wins other than, you know, from a media standpoint, it's always better if if your hometown team wins because it's especially when you work for yourself like I do at the JJT Media Group, it's good for business. But aside from that, I don't have an emotional investment. Uh, like I would if the Buckeyes were playing, but it's fun to watch the city get caught up in the uh, up in the emotions of the team. And then this is a really not every team is likable, dog. Well, a lot of times those the, the sports teams like the Mavericks, the Cowboys, you know, they go dormant for a little while. They don't win, so right. you just kind of leave them alone and you don't pay attention. And this year's Ranger team brought a lot of people like myself back to baseball. You know, and that's how that's how it goes. So I'll be back to baseball for a couple of years, you know, until they go dormant again. That's just the way it goes. I'm, I treat the Mavericks the same way. I treat the Stars the same way. If you ain't winning, I ain't watching. You know, that's just, <laughs> that's just how it is. I mean, you ain't got to win a championship, but you got to be good. You know, and that's that's how it is. Now, I, lo- I, I don't like watching baseball, especially regular season. Now, I, I love going to the games. Uh, I love playoff baseball. That that right there had my stomach in knots, and I'm sure the rest of the Metroplex too. But they brought a lot of people back. That's a good thing. No, I think the uh, I think the rule changes help too. The game is faster. The yeah. game is crisper. The game is cleaner. Yeah. Um, it's a lot more fun for me to watch. It's not a lot of wasted time. I enjoyed uh, the little bit of baseball I watched this season, um, and I watched some more next season in part because the range will be good to be much more relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, for my business, we live in a world where clicks matter, and it it doesn't do you any good to to write about a team nobody cares about. Um, that's just real talk. True that. And and so, and I'm gonna give y'all an example. Even when you talk about, well, everybody loves Cowboys. Yeah, everybody loves Cowboys. There's no doubt about that. Cowboys are a team that gets a lot of attention. That being said, who does the media follow on the Cowboys? Almost every story you read has something to do with Dak, uh, has something to do with McCarthy, has something to do with Jerry Jones, has something to do with maybe CeeDee Lamb or Micah Parsons. Outside of those five individuals, not much. So when you look at the Rangers, who is anybody writing about, bro? Evan Carter? Yeah. Yeah. And, like, Corey Seager's a great player, but he's not a guy who people – 
like, oh, I can't read the, the next thing about Corey Seager. Uh, Marcus Simeon, he's a really good player. Yeah. Ain't nobody like, oh, I can't wait to see, read this piece on, on Marcus Simeon. Um, so they don't have – now contrasting the past where you had Josh Hamilton on the Rangers. Yeah. Everybody and the mama want to read about Josh Hamilton. Well, it's that, it's that Roy Hobbs effect. Yeah. You know, where, where, where he came out of nowhere. Where is this guy coming from? What is he doing? You know, he's not supposed to be here. Yeah, it's, it's that kind of stuff. Yeah, so that's what I mean when I say – Next year, the Rangers will be more relevant because people will be expecting them to do some things. Uh, I think people like to read about Bochi. But again, I'm not sure how much in general he moves the needle. And so that's why you don't see a lot of stories about the Rangers because they don't have a lot of personalities that people want to hear about, read about, be consumed with. And uh, maybe that'll change as they appear more in the postseason and as people get more familiar with them. Garcia, most definitely. Most definitely going to be a guy. He's going to be one of the guys they talk about. Right now, you raise a very interesting point. He is a guy. He also speaks Spanish. And so it's not, and, and he speaks with an interpreter, so does Leclerc. And here's the deal I want y'all to understand they understand English, okay? They can speak English. They just don't feel as comfortable speaking English in a public forum as they would in a private form, which is understandable. Like, if you're learning Spanish, you might be able to speak Spanish amongst your friends. You don't want to get on a press conference and talk and speak in Spanish because you think I might sound dumb, I might not use the right phrase, blah, blah, blah. Uh, And I know this because if you listen to the press conferences um, when they're speaking, people can ask them questions, and a lot of times they'll just start their answer. That means I heard your question, I understand it, I'm going to answer in Spanish, and then my interpreter will, uh, will translate it into English. And my only point being, um, I think Garcia is that kind of player. Oh, dude, when he got to the podium the other day, now, you know, I've been around athletes for 30 years. Not much impresses me. The jewelry that dude had on, it was very simple, but clearly it was very expensive because the diamonds in his ears were glistening, and I was about 20 feet away, and they was popping. And that chain he had on, Again, it, it wasn't flashy. I mean, it was simple, but clearly it was real because it was banging. It was, the lights was dang, dazzling off of that thing. And that's the first time I seen him jury in a long time. I was like, wow, that is, uh, that's nice right there. Uh, that's just a little side note I, I thought I would drop on y'all. <clears throat> uh, so anyway, uh, the Rangers game seven going to be really fun. Uh, I got a couple questions. Oh, you know what I need to do, man? Let me do this right now uh, before I forget. When I was at the ballpark after game uh, three, I I meant to do this the other day, so I apologize. I was was actually leaving, and uh, this guy walked up to me and started talking, and then he proceeded to trip and fall flat on his face. Now, this happens to everybody at some point. It happened to me uh, about uh, two months ago in the airport. <laughs> and he got up, and he's like, man, I'm so embarrassed. I'm so sorry. Uh, but I love your work. <laughs> I said, dog, I appreciate it, man. I said, hey, man, nothing to be embarrassed about everybody's fault. But he, I mean, he was just so embarrassed. Did you help him up? Yeah, I tried to help him up. Oh, okay. I'm just uh, checking. No, nah, and his wife sent me 
the nicest email that night. She's like, hey, I don't know if you remember this, but uh, you were talking to my husband Spencer tonight, and he fell down. He's so embarrassed, but he's a big fan of your work, and uh, I just wanted you to know that, that he's just so. And I was like, tell Spencer to chill out and relax. Uh, it's not that serious. Uh, but I told him I was going to give him a shout-out on the podcast, and then I promptly forgot to give him a shout-out on the podcast. So uh, here I am giving him a shout-out about a week later. But uh, he'll, it'll still be cool if he listens to it, and uh, uh, he should listen to it because I'm going to send him a link to it uh, tomorrow morning so uh, that he can, uh, he can check it out. So that's what I meant to tell y'all. Now <laughs> I got a couple questions. Drop and roll. Drop and roll, um, Spencer. Drop and roll. <laughs> that's all. I got a couple questions uh, from the people. Um, and uh, about the Rangers and uh, I was going to go through uh, let me see Melvin Royal I do not think Mad Max is the right guy I trust the youngsters what do you think as I said Melvin this text this uh, tweet back I'm like what youngsters dog like who else you want out there I mean they're really I mean I can't remember if I told you this or I told my boy this my other boy I was like why do y'all think Bruce Bochy picked a dude who hadn't pitched in 37 days to pitch game three? You think he did that because that, that, that was the option he dreamed about as a kid when he wanted to be a manager? You know, hopefully one day I'll be in the playoff series and I can get me a veteran pitcher who hadn't pitched in 37 starts to make a key, 37 days to make a key start for me. No, he don't want to do that. He ain't got no other options. I mean, John Gray was a solid starter during the year, uh, but he struggled at the back end, and uh, you know he went on the IR injured list with that uh, with strained forearm. And he pitched the other day and wasn't good. Uh, now maybe he can give you something tomorrow. Uh, maybe you could put pair him and Scherzer, and that'll you know Scherzer will be like an opener, and Jay will finish it up. I don't know. Gray will finish it up. I don't know. But you know you don't want Martin Perez out there. Haney. Uh, did a good job today pitching with a five-run lead, but he got blasted the other day and didn't make it out of the first. Uh, I can see why Dane Dunning, you might like him, and maybe they've got him scheduled to piggyback with Scherzer uh, tomorrow. I don't know, but uh, I would take Scherzer, his competitiveness. Don't forget, this is a future Hall of Fame guy. No question, future Hall of Fame guy. And so he got big ones. Uh, He'll come out there and compete. The moment he's pitched in the World Series, the moment will not be too big for him. Now, I don't know how he'll execute. I don't know how he'll pitch. But however it goes down, you won't have to worry about, well, damn, he got caught up in the moment, the emotions, he couldn't handle it. No, that ain't going to happen. So he'll be ready to pitch. And having done it once, even though the result was not good, um, I think he'll give you a quality performance and he'll give the Rangers a chance to win. Now, I don't know if they will win, but I think at the end of the day, he'll give them a chance to win. And frankly, dog, that's, that's, uh, that's really all you can ask for. Um, I think there's a couple other questions right here. Uh, again, this is from Scott Heron. Uh, everybody's, uh, everybody's got a question about Mad Max. Uh, not sure how confident I am in Scherzer. Hopefully the first start will have helped him get back his command back and uh, he can help us. So it's the same thing. Um, I think they did everything with this in mind. And, you know, man, 
the playoffs to me is about embracing the moment. Like everybody wants to know why is Al, you know, I heard this on the broadcast tonight. Dusty Baker talking about why is Altuve so good in the playoffs? And the first thing he said was he wants to be at the plate. <laughs> you know. Second, I think he said he's a terrific player. And third is he's able to fully relax in the moment. And that allows him to execute his plan at the plate. And so I think you'll see a lot of that from Scherzer. He wants to be out there. He ain't scared at the moment. Then it's just about executing. Um, you played in a lot of uh, sports. Uh, how did you handle those so-called pressure moments? Um, a lot of times you just really don't even think about it. Especially if it depends on what type of team you're on and what type of players that you have around you. If you got guys that know their assignment, that are good players and that communicate, it ain't nothing that you can't do. But if you're playing with with a bunch of yahoos who who, who don't communicate, who don't have don't know their assignment, then yeah, you 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 live in the moment, but you realize the moment is fleeting because these guys ain't never been there before. And it's really the experience that, that, that make you get through the stuff. You know, in the, in the championship games I played in, we done got down a couple of times. And, you know, the other team is too high. You know, we kicking y'all butt. We killing y'all. Yeah, you up by seven. Whoop-de-doo. You know, you just play your game, and, and, and usually things will work out. Yeah, I mean, I think it, that's, uh, you know, that's probably one of the things I love about sports is uh, it reveals – everything about your character as an athlete. Um, uh, you know, how you handle moments, how you handle pressure, how you handle adversity, how you handle for success. Uh, th- those are all the things that I really enjoy yeah. about covering sports and uh, getting to see how people handle because everybody handles it different. Yeah, especially how you handle success. That's a big one right there. You know, you get up 14 on the team you ain't supposed to beat. Are you, are you I mean – are you going crazy? Are you celebrating and jumping around and, you know, fist bumping and all of that? Are you focusing on the next play? You know, you can't, you can't celebrate uh, uh, the touchdowns or being up too long. You got to move on to the next play or the next series or the next inning or whatever. Uh, yeah, Doc, I, th- I think there's a lot of truth in that. Uh, my man Reggie Smith said, has Bochy lost all confidence in Martin Perez? I would say not all, but a lot. <laughs> I mean, the, the reality is he's a uh, he's a mop up guy right now. Uh, you pitch a long relief, uh, probably if you're losing. He's pitched a couple times. Uh, he he pitching them in blowouts. Uh, I remember who was that who got mad at me for doing this one time. I think it was Jeff Bannister, and I had a really good relationship with Jeff Bannister, but he got mad at me one time because I asked him something about a pitcher, a bullpen pitcher, and I said. Well, he seems to be like a one of your losing pieces, not one of your winning pieces. Meaning, and this is this is just the way it is, man. Uh, in a bullpen, and you can go back and track it. It's not very hard to do. There are some pitchers who pitch in a bullpen. Some pitchers who pitch in winning situations. Your setup guy, your closer, you know, your key guy who gets lefties out. Blah blah blah. And then there's some guys. And that's usually three or four guys. And then there's another three or four guys who pitch in losing situations. Like, we don't have a lead yet for our guys to come in, so you pitch and try to hold it close. Uh, our guy, our starter got bashed around today, so you come in and, and pitch middle relief and see if you can get a, be a bridge and get us through the game so we don't waste the rest of the bullpen. 
Well, anyway, I referred to the guy as peace, and Manister was like, he's not a peace, he's a person. These are all men. And, you know, he went and lectured me, and I was like, all right, dog. And then he proceeded to treat them guys like winning and losing pieces, which meant I knew I was right. Now, that being said, Martin Perez has turned into a losing piece. Uh, he's not going to be in the game very many times when the Rangers are winning. And so, uh, yeah, that's an indication that he's, uh, he's uh, you know, that's, that's just his role right now. And that's one of the reasons. I mean, he was, he was not good this year. And um, he was good two years ago, but he wasn't good this year. Um, he'll find a job somewhere, no problem, in Major League Baseball. He'll be a starter. Um, he'll be somebody's fifth starter. He'll throw 180 innings and eat it up and go nine and eight or eight and nine with a four ERA. And that's okay because Major League Baseball needs guys like that, and somebody will probably pay him $15 million a year to do it, if not more. Uh, but that being said, <clears throat> in a winning situation, you're not going to find him uh, pitching for the Rangers uh, tomorrow. Uh, Kyle Frazier. Thanks, Kyle, for your question. If the Rangers win the series, do you give the MVP to Garcia, who has five runs and 15 RBI, or Evaldi? That's a good question. Uh, and I will tell you, part of the answer to that question is, well, I guess you said if they win the series. I would probably, that's a good question, man. I would probably give it to uh, Eovaldi. Yep. But if Garcia comes in tomorrow, well, let me see. I'd probably give it to Eovaldi because the grand slam was the capper, but they had a three-run lead when he hit it. Um, he hit that big win in game five, but they didn't win it. Evaldi winning game two gave them control of the series, and winning game six put them in the position to win the series. Uh, he was phenomenal in both games. I would probably give it to Evaldi. Yeah. All right. Well, good. Um, that's been a lot of baseball talk. That's yeah. good because we don't do a lot of that. Let's uh, quickly – Take a uh, take a dip into uh, college football because my Buckeyes came up with a big win uh, Saturday against Penn State. Uh, did you watch any college football this weekend? No, I did. Oh yeah, I watched. Uh, uh, was that? Did you watch that game? I watched Ohio State, uh, uh, Penn State. I watched Texas and uh, Houston and. Uh, I can't remember the other game. There's so many games on. All right, well, um, I figured out. Now, I ain't breaking no news here, but I've been watching and paying attention. And uh, it seems to me, uh, we're going to talk about Texas in a minute, uh, but it seems to me like the Buckeyes, that was, a, that was a good win for them. I heard a lot about Penn State's offense. I heard a lot about their quarterback and uh, how he was the best quarterback they've had in a minute. And he was going to, uh, you know, if this was a game that they had targeted as, hey, we haven't beaten Ohio State in a minute, this is a chance we have to do it because they don't look great on uh, offense. And we don't. There's no shade in that. We don't. Um, but, you know, the, the bottom line is Ohio State, now this is just what it looks like to me. They don't have anything close to the offense that they've had in previous years. Nothing close to it. Part of the reason is, and I try, you know, I try to be reasonable with my Buckeye fans, and I certainly try to be reasonable with my Buckeye fandom. Kyle McCord 
appears to me, he's a first-year starter. He's a junior, former five-star quarterback. He's Marvin Harrison's high school quarterback. It seems to me that he's a good college quarterback, okay? Uh, against Penn State, 22 at 35, 286, and a touchdown. There really ain't nothing wrong with that line, bro. The problem, I think, is Ohio State has been used to having great quarterbacks. They have a hard time dealing with good quarterbacks. Um, but if we're going to do anything, which is beat Michigan and be a factor in the playoff again this year, this appears to be the best defense Ohio State has had in a minute. But they ain't got no stars on it, dog. Like, they don't have no guy who's going first and second in the draft like Chase Young or somebody else. But they just shut down Penn State's offense, 1-16 on third down. And uh, Drew Aller, the big quarterback, the one who's supposed to be a difference maker, 18 to 42 for 191 yards and a touchdown in the last 30 seconds. Yeah, I thought they leaned on him too much. That's what I thought. I thought they needed balance for him. They, they, they mm. want to use him, use him, use him, but he was too young for that. Yeah, you know? they couldn't run the ball 26 for 49. Uh, Not going to get it done. Number, number 10, Nick, Nick, what's his name? He, Nick Singleton. He had one good run. He did okay, but they didn't really try. That's what I'm saying. They was they was trying. They brought through the ball 42 times. I just thought, what yep. the hell, you know? Uh, if you when you flip the script around, the reason I have a hard time believing Ohio State's going to do much, although defense appears to be really good, is we can't run the ball worth nothing. 41 for 79. Yeah. Uh, Mayan Williams 24 for 62, with a longer 12. Like I can't believe you ran the ball 41 times. You had one run of 10 yards or more. Like I know Penn State's defense is good. It shouldn't be that good. Uh, the only saving grace for the Buckeyes, and this is a lot of Buckeye talk, but y'all just going to deal with it, is uh, uh, they still dealing with some injuries. Like Trayvon, uh, their running back, their best running back has been out for a couple weeks. Uh, their second best receiver has been out. So if they can get all those guys back and get them in a couple weeks before Michigan, maybe they'll have all their offense and McCord will have enough weapons to spread it around and that will make him better. Speaking of quarterbacks, wait, wait, you know what? what? You know what screwed the Buckeyes up at quarterback, right? What the trans the, the transfer portal? Cause what's his name? Yours is supposed to be there. I don't care about all that. Well, I mean, I really saying. don't. That's yeah, just I, saying. I know, that's why but I, that's that's that 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 stopped the pipeline. That's what I'm saying. Uh, well, I mean, it did, but it didn't. And here's what I mean: if you a uh, if you're what I would term a big time program. Ohio State, Michigan, Alabama, USC, all the, whoever you, whoever the big time programs are, you're you're stacking quarterbacks. You're taking a five star quarterback every year, and normally guys wait their turn. But if you ever get in a situation where there's a couple of them there, whoever loses the job is going to bounce, and you just that's just the nature of the beast. And you just hope that, like the year Dwayne Haskins and Joe Burrow competed, sure. Joe Burrow lost the competition. He bounced. And I said, hey, I hate that you lost the competition. Good luck wherever you go. He ended up at LSU, did the damn thing. But I can't bitch him on because Dwayne Haskins was a first-round pick. Yeah, but all them guys, all them programs you're talking about, they don't have a quarterback right now. Only yeah, one nice. of them, USC. USC got a quarterback. That's it. Yeah, it's hard to uh, it's hard to keep them like uh, – I mean, so it, it just is. And – Every time you get a five star, it don't mean he's gonna develop into that dude who you think he is. Sure. And so that boy in South Carolina right now. Yeah, Spencer Rattler. Yep. So um so there's a lot to go into it. But speaking of Quinn Ewers, 
uh, at the University of Texas. He made a bad business decision yesterday, and it, uh, it cost his team. Uh, Longhorn started off 21 nothing, dog. Had to hold on 31-24. And part of the reason is what? Quinn Ewers decided to run over somebody. Did you see that hit, man? Yep. That dude got smoked. And uh, the best thing about it, if we're going to be honest, it was a very physical, legal hit. Dude led with his shoulder, ran right through him. I mean, it was a perfect tackle. And uh, apparently sprained his AC joint. Um, I know quarterbacks get tired of having their toughness questions. Uh, they like to occasionally run over guys. There's a reason why they need to slide, man. Uh, when you are one of the most valuable most valuable players on your team, you can't put yourself in a position because of your machismo to get hurt. Uh, now, getting hurt is part of the game, but you can avoid, you know, those big licks when you can. And he didn't avoid that. I mean, he went into it. And now, uh, you know, now they got a problem. We will see um, uh, if uh, Malik Murphy, I expect him to start this week. Now, he's a big dude, man. That dude like 6'5", 230. He got every. He looked the part. Yeah, he need a haircut. Well, you know, uh, a lot of them need a haircut. Oh, yeah. But uh, uh, Arch Manning will be the backup. Um, and so, now, this is just exactly what we're talking about. I expect, um, I expect yours, I expect yours to leave after the season. I don't know that he will, but I expect him to. And I say I don't know that he will because he's been hurt a lot, dog. And I guess he'll be a first-round pick, but I don't know. I mean, I guess he will be, but I don't know. Um, but anyway... My point being, Malik Murphy and Arch Manning will compete for the job next spring, right? And I fully expect Arch Manning to win it because of the Manning name. And I fully expect Malik Murphy to transfer when he don't win the job. That's just the way I feel. Ain't nobody told me that. That's just the way I view the the handwriting on the wall, as as they say. Um, that being said, he's going to get a great opportunity because uh, yours is supposed to be out two, uh, uh, two to four weeks. Uh, he was 23 or 29 for 211 and two touchdowns when he got hurt uh, late in the third quarter. Uh, so uh, this is a great opportunity for Murphy to uh, show what he can do. Texas over the next uh, four weeks will play BYU, which is five and two, Kansas State. Big win over TCU yesterday, forty-one to three. They're five and two. It's a down year for TCU, man. They're four and four, and then um, Iowa State at four and three. All of those games are winnable with the talent Texas has, but we all know when you ain't got no quarterback, dog. Our bets off, and uh, we'll see what uh, Malik Murphy can do. But he certainly looks the part, and uh, it's just a matter of if he can uh, embrace them, embrace the moment, not get too high. And uh, make it happen. He he was only one for two for seven yards uh, against Houston, and so this will be the first real test. But he'll get all the reps this week, and so he'll have a chance uh, to really uh, do his thing. Real quick before we move to the NFL, Alabama rallies from uh, twenty to seven deficit against Tennessee and uh, beats them. And Nick Saban, man, after the after the game, did you see his press conference? No, I didn't like the officiating in, either, in, in that game oh. or, the, or, the, or the Houston game. 
Uh, well, Nick is having a blast, man. He's like, this team, they're making me lose my hair, but I really enjoy coaching them. Uh, and I think that's because it's a flawed team, and he really gets – they don't have such a talent advantage that he, he just run out there and don't make mistakes, and we're going to win by 30. Oh, you and think so he, he liked that? I think there's something to be said for oh, the challenge of uh, – I mean, I think he preferred to win by 30, but since he – it's been so long since he had a team like that, I think he enjoys uh, having more of an impact on the week-to-week. Maybe that's the way to say it. Nick be working them votes and them polls and stuff. That's what Nick be doing. <laughs> Nick, Nick, Nick gonna say all kinds of stuff. Nick, Nick, Nick can have two losses and it don't matter. I, he just he works it. He gonna work the yeah. system. Uh, so we had that, and then we had uh, Utah beat USC, essentially eliminating them from the playoff uh, talk. Yeah. USC, man, I don't like Lincoln Riley. Okay, uh, as a coach. Wow. I mean, I think he's a good offensive coach. I think he's a very poor leader of men. And I say that because, nah, you know, I'm a journalist, so I'm always going to be, I'm always going to have the journalist flag when I'm talking. And he didn't, uh, he didn't let any of his players talk to the media after their 34-32 loss to Utah. Now, here's my position on this. I believe, and again, I'm a journalist, so I'm biased. I believe if you let players talk after victories and after great moments, you should let players talk after losses and difficult moments because it teaches them how to answer questions and how to handle adversity. And it doesn't last that long. And it's really in the big picture, not that difficult a thing to do, to answer a few questions for a few minutes after a game. Um, It's just not that hard. And if a guy like Caleb Williams is talented enough to win the Heisman Trophy and deliver a speech to the Heisman voters after he wins the Heisman Trophy, he's certainly capable of talking after a defeat that's a difficult defeat uh, to a uh, rival like like Utah. And you do your players a disservice when you don't prepare them for that. Now, that's my opinion. And I also think you build a soft program because you're not teaching them how to handle adversity. I also didn't like the fact that after the game – Somebody asked him about the expectations of uh, not being able to win uh, advanced to the college football playoff now. And he was like, I don't know who set those expectations. We don't talk about that every day. And, of course, somebody pulled up a story today where he said every day we talk about expectations and trying to get to the college championship. And I'm just like, Doug, you're such a fake fraud when it comes to that. That's just poor to me, just poor leadership in terms of teaching kids how to be men and how to be accountable. Um, when things don't go right Because they don't always go right It doesn't matter whether we're talking about football Or whether we're talking about life It would be nice if you would just Allow them to, to feel a little bit of that And teach them how to work through it Hey here's the kind of questions you're going to get Here's the type of answers you give Be supportive of the team Don't sell your teammates out And talk about yourself It's not that hard dog um, At SMU a couple of years ago uh, me and two other professors did some media training for um, Sonny Dykes' team. Um, and we brought all every player over. We did mock interviews, and I asked them, asked different guys questions. Some of it was you just gave up a 30-point lead and your quarterback threw a fourth-quarter interception that was returned for a touchdown. Now I'm going to ask you about your quarterback, you know, uh, you know, and I'd ask pointed questions like, do you blame Hartfield for the loss? 
you know, to get them used to answering difficult questions at times. And you go, no, we lost as a team like we do every week. We didn't give him all the credit when we won last week. He ain't taking all the blame because we lost this week. Boom. It's not that hard once you prepare your athletes think, with the proper knowledge. I think I think sometimes, you know, you can't do stuff in a vacuum. Like, you can't – stuff is I, – I agree with you. It's better for him to lead them like that, to give them – you know, let them talk in difficult times. But, man, you don't always make the right decisions under pressure in the moment. Or should I say in the moment, you you, you do knee-jerk stuff. And I think he probably – did some knee-jerk bullshit right there when he didn't want to let him talk. Sometimes you circle the wagons or you do whatever you think you got to do, and it ain't always the right decision. Hell, they talked to Dabo Sweeney the other day when that boy pulled the ball at the one-yard line. He said, hell, it was a handoff. I don't know what he was doing. And he was so shocked, he just said, man, he was trying to do too much. Right. You know, it was just one of them things where they don't always, I don't think they always know what to say. I don't know. I think um, some of that stuff, some of those coaches... Uh, the leader of men part uh, some of that shit is overrated because they're not they're more CEO than leaders that's just well, truth in that I think you know? yeah I think uh, I think everybody's individual and I'm talking about Lincoln in particular because he's also a guy who tried to get a beat writer suspended for a couple of weeks oh you for, guys you got that you got that media beef with him yeah, I do. I understand. That's, that's that's why I said it. You did because, say that. Yeah, I got because you. it's. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, Like, and here's what I mean. I didn't. I never had a problem with Charles Haley. I'm going Cowboys now as the medium because Charles Haley said I only talk after games, and guess what? He only talked after games. I never had a problem with Marion Barber, who said what? I don't want to talk. If we win and I have 150 yards, yeah, but those I don't want to talk. Those guys if we only lose. they only controlling one thing themselves. These these dudes trying to control the whole program, and sometimes that shit get away from them. That's what I'm saying. Charles Haley and Marion Barber only controlling and being they only got to be consistent for themselves. The coach, right. the coach, you know whether he can handle it or not. Lincoln Riley called some great plays, like you said. But he might not be able to handle the program in the spotlight because he moved from Oklahoma to USC. There's a whole lot more pressure in L.A. than it is in Norman. Uh, That's why. Well, I mean, I I think part of that is why you don't make those decisions at the heat of the moment. Yeah. The decision is, hey, after the game, uh, we're gonna have Caleb and our best defensive player talk. And if somebody does something special, then we can sub out one of those. If Hartfield goes with 250 yards, we can have Hartfield oh, either I'm sub out for, uh, for Caleb or we can have him in addition to Caleb. Or if Hartfield got seven sacks, we can have him instead of uh, whoever our normal defensive guy is. Yeah, I'm not, but, saying that he, I'm not saying he right. I'm just saying it's the pressure that bends you sometimes. It's the, it's, the, it's the moment that bends a person to do stupid shit. That's what I'm saying. Sometimes it's no, like that. I, I feel you. Yeah, uh, but some people do that on more more regularity than others. And yeah, it's, it's, a power it's, it's a power regular. trip. It's a power trip. Oh, too. oh, yeah. oh it's a it's definitely too. a power trip. Like I was, uh, I didn't like Gary Patterson doing that when at TCU. Yeah, uh, they play a game. I can't remember where it was. And me and Gary Patterson get along fine. But I was like, dog, what are you doing, man? You gonna bring down a guard and a tackle? You know, to represent the offense. We all know because quarterback didn't have a good game. Come on, dog. Stop. 
Well, it's uh, the, it's the one thing with like Pete Carroll at USC. You know, the co- a coach will tell you, "I I run this. This is my show. From the socks to the jocks to to everything is mine. I control whatever we do." And then the player do something. I ain't know he did that. I, I had no I had no idea that Reggie Bush was doing all that. And I had no idea that he was driving a fifty thousand dollar car. I had no idea, you know, that his parents had. He didn't know nothing. When it's trouble, they don't know nothing. But when it's success, they control everything. So it's like that. Uh, no, nah, you're exactly uh, you're exactly right. So that's uh, let's uh, let's wrap up our, uh, college, our football. college football talk. Uh, see, that turned in even better than I thought. And uh, <laughs> let's take a quick trip around the block, man, because I, I, I gotta get a couple things off my chest right quick. Okay. Uh, now, when we go around the block, we talk about things that are important to me. Sometimes things going around in Dallas. And let me just say this, dog. My son hit me up the other day, and he's a low maintenance kid, all right? And he said, Dad, um, can you check on the cell phone plan? My phone is not charging properly. Uh, it it goes dead very quickly, and uh, I think I might need to get a new one. Now, the first thing I'm like is, okay, when the last time you had a new phone? Because I don't believe in getting a phone every year. And so I checked it out, and I said, oh, okay, dog, you got a iPhone 12, which means, and we're on iPhone 15 right now. So you had that about three years, okay? Duh, I went to uh, I'm a Sprint customer Which is now T-Mobile mm-hmm. And I went in there with an open mind And uh, this woman Young woman uh, She kind of I walked in And there were three or four people Who could have helped me Well she She came over very quickly Like basically I want this This guy And if I can tell you dog From the beginning it just felt like a used car salesman trying to get one on me. And I, I was getting, and it, I don't know if it was a demeanor or what, but I was just getting so irritated because I was like, I feel like you're trying to beat me. You know, because I was like, hey, what's the, uh, what's the upgrade situation? And she told me, she said, but you should get on this plan. I said, why? She said, well, with this plan, you get this, this, and this. I said, and she said, uh, you get unlimited this. I go, well, whatever I got right now, ain't nobody ever said I went over any limit. So I don't feel, and I'm on the phone all the time. So I don't feel like I need to do that. She said, oh, okay. I said, I really just want to upgrade this other phone on my line. And then, dog, just, well, you should get this plan. Why do I need to change plans? And it, everything felt slimy, but everything felt like you're trying to get over. You had to focus, man. See, you went what I had to focus on? You, you went in there with an open mind, like they're gonna treat me right. See, oh, you know, so like, this is my fault. Well, yeah, because you got to go in there saying they're gonna try to screw me. That's when they treat you right. So when they treat you right, it's a pleasant surprise. See oh. what I'm saying? You and you got to focus on what do I want? Because they're gonna try to give you all kinds Duh. of stuff. What I didn't want all that I shit. Want? No, what do I want? Do I want this? Do I want that? Focus on three things you want, and if you walk out of there saying, you good. That's what I'm trying to say. And right, now let me tell you how why uh, Joe is good at this. Because this man done like 100 car deals. 
he kind of man waiting to do the car deal over eight hour period the same day because he ain't never afraid to say no. And he he wear the he wear the dude he wear the dude out the sales manager he wear him out. Oh, we so wait. yeah, yeah. So no, nah, that's that's a good approach because I dog I was I was just mad when I left. And then you gotta so, up, you gotta up your patience and lower your expectations. What you gotta do? Okay, damn, that's a hard combo too for me. It is uh, when, when because. You, Trying to sell you something Yeah I, I really wasn't trying to be sold I just wanted to get another phone for my dude And then I'm looking at it And uh, these plans are different And then I'm like um, I had read something before That said T-Mobile If you don't tell them Like they're switching people's plans And they're increasing the rate And unless you tell them specifically Don't switch my plan yeah, and I then, I, and hey. then this is my fault. Okay, it's my fault. So I'm accepting full responsibility because a lot of time, not a lot of time, most of my bills are automatic paid. Okay, so I know what it should be. It should be 150 dollars. And so I look at my bill. Okay, it's 150 dollars. Okay, boom, I pay. It's paid on a credit card. But I don't rarely. I rarely look at the actual bill. Dog, they had a whole another line on my phone, like a line I never asked for. I said, "What is this right here?" Uh, I said, "Is this like a hotspot or something?" Because I I've never used it, never asked for it, never wanted it. No, it's another line. They probably put it on there when you upgraded the phone or something. They'll they'll sneak a line on there like dog. That's like forty dollars a month. Oh yeah, damn, that's bad. Yeah, dog. I was mad at myself, but I was mad at them for real. So I had called him the other day, and I was I was trying not to lose my temper on the phone with Sprint, like or T-Mo, like get this shit off my phone right now. I don't want your raggedy ass insurance either. Well, sir, you need what if your phone? I say if your phone, I go online and buy another one. I don't want your insurance on that because that's a scam too. It's all a scam. I feel like this how I felt. It just everything feels like a scam when it comes to the cell phone. Yeah. So I'm I'm down on all cell phone people. All cell phone salesmen and saleswomen and salespersons. I'm, I'm all right with T-Mo. I'm all right. Like uh, I said, I focus on what I want, and that shit better say military discount. Okay, that, that's good. That, that's what I need right there. All right, because uh, I'm going I'm to go back again with a better attitude. I'm going to say, this is what I want to do. I'm not interested in hearing about Nothing anything else. else. Yeah. I don't want to hear about any other plans. Yeah. I want this right here. That's a good way to do it. Yep, give me that right there. I don't want nothing else. I need to be yeah. out of here in 15 minutes. How about right. that? Let's cool. go. You know, uh, uh, yeah, them, them companies, it, it is a scam. But three years is a long time for him to have a phone. That's pretty good because if he had Android, he'd add one every nine months. Right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I told, I told you he's fairly low maintenance. Yeah. I mean, every kid got some maintenance. But he, you know, in a maintenance situation, he's pretty low key. So, uh, I told him I'd, I'd try to check into it. Um, it's late, so that's a very quick trip around the block, me bitching about the cell phone industry. And, uh, you know, I've got another one uh, for us to talk about. Okay, check this out. Big Joe and the Big Rig and I have decided that we're going to give y'all a very short Game 7 bonus edition tomorrow. We don't do this for everybody. But y'all are special. So we're going to give y'all a Game 7 bonus edition tomorrow. 
uh, win, lose, or draw. We're going to talk about the Rangers after the game tomorrow night. Uh, right now, though, we're going to transition very quickly into just a little bit of NFL talk since uh, your Dallas Cowboys were off this weekend uh, before we call it a night. Because I told you, all I took a Red Bull in the shower, so I could really talk for another five hours. Uh, but my boy, he told me he took some tea before uh, the Rangers game, and that thing probably wearing off right about now. Um, so, uh, the big game of the night was, and I'm going to ask you about this, man. The big game of the night, and I was looking forward to it all day. Philly and that high-scoring Miami offense. That offense has had three games of more than 500, 500 yards. I had a 700-yard game against uh, Denver. Scored more than 30 in all but one game. They got their ass kicked tonight, man. Yeah. Put it on them, 31-17. And this Hill. is all I'm going to say. What you mean? Tyreek Hill had 11 for 88. Yeah, but he averaged 19 yards a catch, so that's a win for Philly. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying that was a terrible game for him. You know? So this is this is the conclusion I've drawn until proved otherwise. Um, until proved otherwise, which means they could prove otherwise, you know, at some point soon. Um, this offense has faced two good teams, the Bills and the Eagles. This offense has been shut down twice this year. Once by the Bills, once by the Eagles. And so I don't have any problem with them being the front running. We beat up on bad team offense. But I really ain't trying to hear them compared to the greatest show on turf because the greatest show on turf won a championship. They was consistently and they, the greatest show And on they turf. went to the Super Bowl twice. Yeah, they was Once they lost, once they won. And it didn't matter who they were playing, good team, bad team, they treated them all the same. Pimp slapped them all. Man. So I ain't really trying to hit nothing Man. about the greatest show on turf uh, in any comparisons to them until they started beating some good teams. Tory Holt, Isaac Bruce, Isaac King. Duh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, now they got the Patriots next week. Then they got the Chiefs. Then they got the Raiders. The Dolphins, the Jets, the Commanders, the Titans, the Jets, and the Cowboys. That's really, to me, my opinion, that's one good team, man. I mean, Jets got a good defense, so, but the Jets can get hamstrung by the offense and become one-dimensional. I mean, so basically they got the Chiefs. I need to see them do something against the Chiefs. I uh, think the Dolphins just Because they're going to put up numbers. I think Dolphins just trying to survive the season, man. Because if they if they run wide open against Philly, Tua is one hit away from being gone. You know, he one yeah. hit away. So I think that a lot of that short ball stuff they was doing. Look at the, the, the what did he do? I think he averaged like six yards, six or something, six and a half yards per attempt or something like that. They trying to get the ball out, not to get that boy killed. That's why they letting it all hang out against these bad teams. Uh, well, they did that today, but in general, they've been they've been. Uh, I mean, two averaging like nine and a half yards in attempt. But that's what I'm saying. He they ain't opening the offense again. I wouldn't open up open it up against Philly. You know, because if you open up against Philly, that boy gonna get popped, and he just one hit away from being gone for the season. That's what I think. Uh, Twelve first downs, two hundred and forty four yards. Yep. Uh, dog, it was it was pathetic to me. 
Tua, 23-32, a TD and an interception. Uh, Eagles, they, they were impressive to me, man. Uh, A.J. Brown on a roll, five straight games of more than 125 yards receiving, 10 for 137, a couple of spectacular catches. Uh, Jalen Hurts had an interesting game, uh, threw for 279 with two TDs and a pick, uh, ran 11 times, only 21 yards. He still don't look quite right. But uh, the Eagles 6-1, and one, one of the best teams in the league. Your Cowboys got them in two weeks. And uh, that'll be another statement game for the Dallas to see just where they are in the NFL hierarchy. So a big win uh, by, uh, by the Eagles, 31-17 over the Dolphins. Uh, the other game I was really interested in was, uh, you know what it was, Detroit and uh, Baltimore and Dub. When I turned that thing on, it was 14 nothing. When I looked back, it was 28 nothing. I was like, damn. Lamar Jackson threw for 250 in the first half with two touchdowns and ran for one. Now, here's my interesting takeoff of that game. I think it was just a bad day at the office for the Lions. I think the Lions are a really good team, and they just had a bad day today. They got jumped on early and never got in it. Yeah, it happens. It happens. Yeah. Uh, but Jim. Lamar Jackson, phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. Always have, say? man. Yeah, well, he, I mean, he was on and popping today. You see the uh, touchdown he where, they pulled, where they pulled a the tackle? And, he, and he, he scored a touchdown where they pulled it to the left, and they he did a fake. He faked the yeah, handoff, yeah, yeah. pulled it, the tackle pulled, the pack, tackle pulled around, and he did like yeah. Big Mike Big Mike in the, in, uh, the blind side, pushed the old boy to the bus. <laughs> <laughs> it's the funny thing to uh, see an NFL get player get done like that. He slung him to the corner dude. of the end zone. Like, damn. Yeah. Uh, your boy Lamar threw for 357, three touchdowns. Uh, you know, ran uh, nine times for 36 yards. And the Ravens doing what the Ravens do, man. They're 5-2, and two, uh, sitting up there near the top of the AFC North, and uh, they're going to be somebody you got to deal with in the playoffs. Kansas uh, City, uh, San Diego, I mean – Kansas City, L.A.? Yeah. Did you watch any of that? Uh, I watched pieces of it. I was shocked that uh, your boy had 300 yards in the first half. 321, I think, in the first half. Yeah. I thought he – this is real talk because I tweeted this out. I thought he had a shot at uh, your boy Bob Waterfield's 546-yard passing record, all-time passing record. It's kind of amazing that in today's NFL, somebody owns the all-time record who was throwing the ball in the 50s. Yeah, um, it seemed like I mean it just seemed like that record would have been broken the way the game has changed. For real? Uh, but he ended up with 424 yards, four TDs, and an interception. Um, Chiefs, they got six in a row. They rolling. Well, they were they were Taylor Taylor Swifting people to death. That's every five minutes they were putting that camera on her. Well, that's because Travis Kelsey caught 12 for 179 yeah. in a touchdown. Yeah. Uh, how about this? 12 catches on 13 targets. That's doing some damage right there. Yeah, what's his name? Staley about to he about to get fired. He ain't gonna he last long. He should be, man. That yeah. team is two and four. Uh, you know, Justin Herbert, two hundred fifty nine, one T D, two interceptions. Uh I'm not saying it's all his fault. But, you know, he's under five hundred as a career starter. So, I mean, we can talk about all these great physical attributes, all this talent, all this and that and whatever, dog. And the bottom line is He's under 500 as a starter as we move into year five, and he got a $260 million deal. Uh, it could be just like Phillip Rivers. Maybe he's just going to be a really good quarterback who never does anything. Uh, 
Well, you make adjustments. People make adjustments to your game. If your game don't evolve, then it's going to be a down year for you. Until uh, you do something else, you know. People, NFL, what did we say? Not for long. Things change. You got to change with it. Plus, that he got that, that that broken finger. I think that finger is bothering him on that hand. It looked like it was bothering him pretty bad. It's not his throwing hand. Sometimes you get a fractured bone like that, a broken bone like that. That thing start humming, and you can't feel nothing else. Um, you know what? I can deal that. I, I understand that because I got a uh, this real talk, man. I sprained my flip you off finger. Yep. On my right hand. Yep. I probably this real talk. I probably sprained that thing six or seven weeks ago, and it's still swollen. Uh, and it still hurts because, and this is on my dominant hand because I must bang it twice a day. Yeah. And I just, I mean, I'm like, dang, I, I, I literally can't get no relief. Yeah. Because um, I'm always banging it. <laughs> yeah. uh, just through everyday life, not even doing nothing crazy. So I can only imagine if you broke it and you're a professional athlete, even if it's on your left hand, that thing getting banged every yeah. day in practice, every day with the ball. It's just. You uh, yeah. It must be excruciating at one level. Yeah, I've snapped uh, the ring last, finger. I uh, snapped my ring finger in two in the service. Ooh. Yeah. I said it myself. Uh, <laughs> damn. <laughs> yeah. Uh, two more games I want to swing through real quick. Uh, Bill Belichick gets his 300 win. Shocked that they beat the Bills, but Bills pissed around and played with them all day. And then came back uh, from 22-10 down to score two touchdowns in the last five minutes. But they let the Patriots drive the length of the field, like 80 yards, 75 yards in the last 112, I mean the last 149 to win it uh, with a touchdown with 12 seconds left from uh, Mac Jones who had a terrific day to uh, Gusecki. And uh, that was just a bad loss for the Bills, man. Uh, you know, they four and three, dog. They two games. Uh, they're two games behind uh, Kansas City for home field advantage. And they're a game behind Miami now. But uh, they're a little too inconsistent for a team with as much talent as they have. Who's the most dominant team in the NFL right now? Who do you consider? It's like, man, Pete Rozelle is, like, happy. He's smiling right now in heaven. He, it's parody yeah. Pete is happy because who's the most dominant Real team? Real talk. I think it's your two teams from last year's Super Bowl. Kansas City and Philadelphia. Okay. With uh, San Francisco, a very close third. Uh, I would have put the Dolphins up there, but they got spanked today, and I don't believe in them no more. Yeah. You know, I mean, they can make me believe in them later, but I don't believe in them no more right now. And then uh, the other game, and this is just me bitching and moaning, because sometimes I like to do that. Josh McDaniels is a horrible coach to me. How you take your team and get blown out by the Bears? 30 to 12. You brought Bobby Bobby Hoyer back? I mean, his whole thing is offense, man, and they didn't score more than 20 points one time this year. I mean, it would be different if they was losing 37-35. He didn't turn Josh Jacobs into nobody. Josh Jacobs averaging 2.9 a carry. Yeah, 11 for 35 today. See, that's what's up. Devontae Adams is not doing anything in that offense, really. Uh, Some of his quarterback, but who picked all the quarterbacks, man? He did. Well, who, who? Derek Carr was a perfectly serviceable quarterback. Yeah. He's not a great quarterback. And if you want to move on from Derek Carr, 
Okay, that's fine. Go get you a great quarterback or go get one in dread. No, you went to Jimmy Garoppolo and this, you know, whoever else they got now. Marcus Mariota, I think. I mean, I don't know, man. It's He's just a bad head coach. Maybe he's a great coordinator, but he's a bad head coach. He is a Belichick disciple. None of them guys have been any good. None of them. Can we think no, of any man. of them guys that's got a job? They've been, they've been, they've been worth a damn. None of them in his tree. Think about nope. that. No, nope. it's a great question. Why? I mean, a lot of it is how much was Brady uh, making up for you know just turning whatever you turned into. I mean, I don't know, man. Yeah. All I know is he's a bad coach, and he should be uh, he should be relieved of his duties at the end of the year. I wouldn't go no more with him. They lost to a dude. Can you have you even now you're a football guy. Have you even heard of the guy that the Bears started? No. No. Division Trent Badgett. Division two. Division two quarterback. Yeah. Shepherd College. Yeah. Come on, man. Yeah. I mean, come on, dog. Stop. Just stop, man. And you let this team beat beat you down thirty to twelve. Not just beat you, but beat you down. And the Bears ain't no good. Uh so Anyway, that's our NFL talk for tonight. Uh, that's our podcast for tonight. Um, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review, please, because we're trying to grow the show. Uh, none of this is possible without my good friends at Greening Law. They sponsor each and every podcast. And uh, don't forget, man, um, till we chat again, y'all be blessed.